0: Billy Donovan and what you feel like he is right now. Because you played for two of arguably the top three coaches ever. So when you're watching Billy Donovan and what he's doing uh with this team, what what's your takeaway so far and how he's handling
1: it? I think he's handling it really well, but I think he's a teacher right now more than a coach. You know, yes, he's coaching, but he's doing a lot of teaching, you know, and Because, and I'll use a a Phil Jackson example or a Greg Popovich example. When coaches get out of the teaching phase is when they then become full-fledged coaches, meaning that a lot of times, and Phil used to do this, Pop used to do this, players would run the huddle. And it's not necessarily so much about leadership, but it's about understanding, mm-hmm. knowing what's required, what's determined. Whereas, you know, as I we were talking about in the previous segment, about, you know, timeouts, coaches do it now, right? The coaches walk out on the floor and huddle. Players are in the huddle. And like Phil had to do it. Hop had to do it. Bob Hill had to do it. You know, there's your teaching because technically the players aren't sure what to do,
0: mm.
1: right? They're still learning. And it's not just about learning to win. They're still learning. And in this case, you know, the team's still learning the offense. They're still learning the defensive principles. They're still learning about proper rotation. And there's so much going on to, you know, where Billy's got to not only, draw up a play but he's got to teach the guys how to run it properly. He's got to teach the guys mentally about, you know, hey, we got to stop this run. We got to be we got to handle adversity better. We got to do a better job of being confident but not arrogant. Where and that's the thing you don't know when this is going to happen. Where he he's always teaching, but then the teaching has a tendency to happen more so in practice than in games. Mm-hmm. To where in the games now he's just coaching. Mm-hmm. And that coaching is about Instilling confidence, motivating, uh, standing up for players by getting a technical, you know, to, to say, hey, I got your back. He does that very well now. But there's a difference between a teacher and a coach. Uh, you know, a coach is always teaching, mm-hmm. but then now it becomes 100% about winning when they're now just coaching. Mm-hmm. All right. Because Then one assistant grabs this player and talks to him, and another assistant grabs this player as they're coming out of a timeout because Billy's like, hey, you grab Zach and you grab Lowry and you grab uh, Kobe. You know, this is what we're going to talk about. And then you take, grab these guys as they're walking out of the huddle and reinforce what we just said, you know, and kind of let them know this is, you know, kind of hammer home what we just said. And I think that there's still a lot of teaching going on, but I think it's also, there's a lot of learning from. And as I, as I listen to these post-game press conferences, there's still a lot of learning going on from Billy's side in the sense of learning who truly Zach is and Kobe is and Wendell Carter and Lowry. And what's complicated the process is all this COVID protocol. I mean, it's, how tough is it as a coach when the first thing you have to ask when you walk into the Advocate Center or when you wake up in the morning is you like, OK, who's eligible to play tonight? Who can practice? Who's out for five days? Who's out? They're not hurt, but they can't play. Mm. All right, so I got to cross this guy off the list. All right, now my my roster is just shrunk by two guys, seven guys, three guys. by rotation, you know, it totally changes – the aspects of how you want to play the game because of who of certain players that may be out. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's still learning about who he can lean on, what this guy is, what he, what he has the ability to do. You know, do I have to coddle this guy or do I have to basically be an asshole and stick my foot up this guy's ass to get it motivated? Mm-hmm. You know, he's still learning those tricks. Mm-hmm. you know, a perfect example is like people used to always talk about why is Greg Popovich constantly dressing down Tony Parker? You know, it's just like it's just when you would watch those games, you know, people would even the announcers were talking about it. It just doesn't seem like Tony Parker can do anything right in the eyes of his head coach. Mm-hmm. That's got to be demoralizing. But it was actually just the opposite because pop knew who Tony Parker could be. And he didn't want Tony Parker ever settling for anything. Mm. So who are those guys that, you know, as, as they're going down the floor, you see Billy Donovan mirroring those guys getting in their ear or who is the guy that comes out of a game that he has to, you know, put his arms around and be whispering in their ear. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Just everybody's different. He's still learning that aspect. So you know, it's just like a tree. You know, everybody, you, you plant a sapling, right? As it grows, more branches come out. You know, we're still seeing all these branches. and You know, unfortunately, we saw some of those branches that looked like get cut, cut off in that Oklahoma City game. <laughs> Man, dude, that was tough. And, it, and it, 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 Go ahead, please. But it's just, it's still the learning. I mean, Billy's learning as well. You've heard him say in a couple of these co- press conferences, I'm still learning about these players. You know, obviously I've watched – Because everybody's like, well, you should have watched plenty of film by now. You should know exactly what these guys can do. But you also have to learn their personality. You have to learn their mentality. You have to learn how tough these guys are. You have to learn to what they respond to. So there's still a lot more to learn than just basketball skill set, basketball IQ. There's other things that he has to learn. And the thing is, we don't – and that's what's the hard part for me – watching from afar is, is I don't know what's going on in those huddles. I don't know what's going on in practice, you know, because I just, I, uh, my expectations are for this team to be better than they're showing at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people are happy with, Hey, they played well against the Clippers. They played well against the Lakers. They had chances. And I'm like, yeah, but they still should have won some of those games quite honestly. And people are like, Oh, your expectations, you're being too hard on them. They're growing. You're exactly right. But, it's, it's still, it's still frustrating, but I, in between games, I have the, the, the the ability to go back and watch a game, listen to the coaches, press conferences, reflect on what, what are the positives and the negatives? You know, we're still seeing a lot of the same trends that are very troublesome, the Mm -hmm. turnovers, the shot selection, um, missed opportunities, you know, whether it's uh, layups, free throws, Uh, bad rotations on defense you're like okay when are those things going to go away Mm because but the encouraging thing is everything that I've just mentioned is is fixable (laughs) right it's not like it's just they're not talented enough right I mean I think they need to tinker with the roster you know they need to make some changes Mm -hmm. but at the same time I also felt like AK and and, uh, Eversley aren't a hundred percent sure what they have because they're need- they need to learn about those guys as people yeah. as well. Yeah. Right. So I've been encouraged. I enjoy, I mean, I, unlike last year and the year before where I was kind of like, you know, I had to kind of drag myself to the television to watch games. Mm-hmm. I look forward to games, mm-hmm. you know, even after what happened in the Oklahoma city games, mad as I was, you know, um, uh, after that game, I'm now looking forward to the Dallas game. You know, and, okay, how are they going to respond now that when uh, they have Porzingis now? And this is more like the Dallas team that everybody wants to see. And mm-hmm. So, you know, how's Lowry going to play now that he's back against Porzingis? And how's Zach going to go up against, um, you know, John's favorite player?
0: <laughs> His son.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, and you—I mean—you're absolutely right. Well, I was saying on the Bulls Outcast show yesterday. It was the first time in years people had constantly asked me during the week when the when were the Bulls going to play again? Because people were like, dude, we want to watch the game. When are the Bulls going to play again? We want to see it, like right. the, the excitement of it. Instead of just saying, "Oh man, the Bulls are on," you know, and you're just watching it to watch it. You know, you actually yeah. watching it to be excited
1: now. Absolutely. Because you expect to see growth every game. Yeah. yeah. What's Kobe going to do tonight? What's Zach going to do tonight? You know, Um, are we going to see it? Are we still going to see the drop where Wendell's way back in the paint, or is he going to be up at the free throw line? You know? Oh my goodness. Uh,
0: The discussion about the drops. Oh my
1: God. (laughs) No, it's just, it's, it's, but then I'm also, I'm like, you know, I know you're a big fan of, of Gafford. I'm like, is Gafford going to be in the rotation? You know, mm-hmm. what are we going to see different from him tonight? Uh, what is Billy going to do different tonight that he's going to, that, that he's going to go out on a limb? Be, you know, they didn't talk about it in any of the meetings, but he kind of got a gut feeling, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I can honestly say, I, 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 I enjoy watching the postgame press conferences because I think Billy does an excellent job of explaining things.
0: Hmm. You know, it's
1: it's more of a basketball game, post-game press conference than it is, you know, an emotional roller coaster, you know, where you're in a therapist office going, hmm, <laughs> you know. On the, on the couch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's inter- and that's that's one of the I wanna ask you now because you kind of touched on it earlier. Like who what player has kind of impressed you with their play, like their growth, I would say so far? Has it been someone you've looked at and you're like, okay, he's gotten better. I'm impressed with what he's doing out there on the floor.
1: Well, you know, first and foremost, Patrick Williams, mm-hmm. the rook. You know, listen, I we all saw the videos this summer of him, you know, scrimmaging, taking it to guys. You saw how he could handle the basketball. You saw how smooth he was. His game looked effortless, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that guy right now, when you think about it, he might have one of the prettiest jump shots in the league and not necessarily the form. I think the form is really good, but once that thing leaves his hand, I mean, that's the definition of a rainbow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, even that three he hit against Oklahoma city. Yeah. You know, cause that um, somebody was talking about, somebody told me a story I hadn't heard before that he talked about how occasionally in these AAU tournaments, his ball would, you know, some of these gyms are really small with low ceilings, how he would hit the ceiling with his jump shot.
0: Insane. You
1: know, because of the arc, he puts on his shot. Mm-hmm. But that, that arc produces a soft shot, you know, but just his mid-range game, how he's gotten better, mm-hmm. um, the progression that he's made in this game, because it's just the one thing we – the only thing we knew was is that, this guy had not played at this level before. This guy had a really nice body. Um, we watched the videos. But now what will actually happen when it's he steps on the floor in a real NBA game, not a pickup game, you know, where it actually means something, mm-hmm. where now guys are like playing for respect, playing for their paycheck, mm-hmm. you know, not just getting in a workout. And I think that he's proven that he belongs. I, I think that Billy did the right thing by putting him in the starting lineup. And I think we've seen an incredible growth from him just from, from day one.
0: Yeah.
1: and I've, I've been impressed because he shows us – he truly shows us something every game. <laughs> now, you have to – sometimes you have to look for it
0: mm-hmm.
1: because he, he's not dynamic, at least not yet. But – Little things like uh, somebody hasn't blocked out, but because most people are watching something that happens on the other side of the floor, you see when you go back and you rewatch the game how he spins off a blockout mm. and then gets up and gets an offensive rebound for a putback. And you're like, where did he come from? <laughs> or the pump fake, one dribble, mid range. I mean, literally, when he shoots a mid range jumper, you're like, it's good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, before he even shoots it. And you know, you question, does he really have three point range? I think over the last couple of games he's shooting like 50% from three.
0: Mm.
1: You know his ability I wish he, honestly, I wish he would handle the ball more when he got defensive rebounds because I think that would even make this team more efficient pushing the ball
0: mm.
1: you know, and just let Zach and Kobe hit the wings.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He can bring it down the middle of the floor and make decisions. We've seen him go coast to coast. mm-hmm. You know, but I've also seen improvement everywhere. You know, obviously, Zach with his ability to score. Um, Kobe's getting better with his his ability to make decisions on the fly. You know, Wendell, uh, you know, shooting the basketball. Um, So, you know, that's what makes it so enjoyable. You know, like, for example, you watch the Oklahoma City game, and it's very depressing. It's disappointing. Mm -hmm. You're like, damn it. They took a step back tonight then I'll go back and I'll rewatch the game, but I'll watch it differently where I'm not necessarily watching the basketball anymore. Cause now I know the outcome. I know what a play is. I'm watching about how guys are setting screens or how guys are rotating on defense. And you're like, Hey, they didn't do that three games ago. Mm-hmm. The rotations on defense are better. Individual defense on the perimeter. Eh, it gets better. You know, the effort kind of comes and goes, but it's just, you see that you see the improvement. You're like, you know, I kind of take a coach's approach, you know, coaches never really show a lot of, you know, they never talk about, well, I'm doing a really good job here. And uh, I think I'm earning my money and uh, you know, I'm doing so, but I think that quite honestly, you know, I don't think he'll ever say it, but I think that Billy's quite pleased with what he's seen, the improvement mm-hmm. in such a short time period, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think one of the things that we've now seen because of the way play has happened and it's been pretty sloppy. We've seen a lot of blowouts, but that's the importance of training camp. And basically mm-hmm. training camp was condensed into two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of teams are still in training camp mode. And unfortunately for the Bulls, they don't necessarily have that luxury because what are we look, you know, they're we don't, we're not looking at them as a playoff team. We're looking at, looking at them as an evaluation team, meaning, okay, what do these guys have to do this year? So when the season starts next year, they are a playoff team Mm -hmm. and we have playoff expectations. Hey, that'd be great this year if they slide in and get that ninth or 10th spot to me, I know a lot of people are like, "No, no, that means that we won't get a a lottery pick. Mm -hmm. But I think that, and this is, this is tough for people to understand. I, I think, I know you will understand it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. But I feel like from a, a guy that's played the game. If they made it into that ninth or tenth spot, that's considered a one-game playoff, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they win or lose, I think it would tell them just how much work they really need to do. Because mm. even if they win and then have to play uh, the eighth seed, right? Because I think if, what's so nine and ten play one game. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, yeah, and then they play the best two out of three against the eighth seed. That's correct. That to me would explain, show them just how much how, how, you know, because everybody talks about how hard they work and mm-hmm. by commitment. And but I think <laughs> that would let them know the difference between a playoff team and a not and a non-playoff team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, I know it's hard for people to understand, but that's significant right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That would that would really mean that to me is where players like, ooh, I have to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Not only my skill level, which I think is pretty high, but the the, the how much work I really need to put in.
0: Yeah, I agree. I-
1: that's a, and I don't. I think a lot of people are like, "Well, it's a really talented draft coming up," but that's that stuff. That's stuff that you you can talk about, but you don't understand until it actually happens. That's and that's to me is just. That's kind of like the MasterCard commercial. That's priceless. You cannot you cannot teach somebody that. That's something that they have to experience to truly understand and grasp what that means.
0: Wow, that's true.
1: That's that's at the cost of, you know, a, a lottery pick. I get mm-hmm. it. So there's it's, you know, 6-1 half a dozen the other, but I think that's vitally important because it, listen, we're not anywhere close to being a contender. Right. Correct. And and there are certain organizations that are held to different standards, the bulls being one of them. the Celtics because of their heritage, um, Lakers, the Lakers, the bulls, mm-hmm. the golden state warriors, mm-hmm. the Miami heat. Mm-hmm. It's just well, when you win a championship, most notably, when you win more than one championship, you're just, you separate yourself from the pack. Mm-hmm. Even when you've had down years, right. Mm-hmm. And that's why you keep wondering when the Knicks are going to make that turn. You know when are they going to get back to being prominent again, being respectable? Mm -hmm. I I love the Thibodeau hire, but will will the organization truly back him? And remember, that's we were saying this—that same we were making those same exact statements about the Bulls, were we not?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: But now you got Arturus, you got Eversley, you got a new coach, you got a new staff, so you feel like we're on the right path, right? But Mm -hmm. And that this is the hard part from a fan standpoint because now we're in a society where we expect instant gratification.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: So why can't we go out and spend $400 million on salary and and pay the luxury tax and just buy every player known to man and make all the necessary trades? And we want to be a championship contender yesterday. Yeah. I try to tell people, if winning championship, and and I, I have to let me preface it by saying you got to take golden state out of the equation. Cause they're an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Okay. If winning championships is profitable, then why did, and I'll go to what, I'll go to one of the wealthiest owners in the league. Why did Mark Cuban have a fire sale right after he won a championship? It takes money
0: mm-hmm.
1: to win championships. Mm-hmm. Right it takes commitment it takes sacrifice and that's it, it's it's not easy mm-hmm. and that's where it's tough for organizations you know to decide behind closed doors uh, do we really have an opportunity this year to win a championship and that's that's where people i think the average person including myself and you and you know, those of us that are fans, we just—it's—it's it's hard for us to grasp that.
0: Yeah, but I, I think with both, it's harder to grasp just because of the things that you know they've had to deal with in the past, and absolutely just seeing, seeing that kind of trash uh, for the past couple of years, and you come out of it, and you're like, okay, great, you got all these things, you did everything I wanted. All right, like you said, the instant gratification, give it to me now, and. That's kind of why I keep using the analogy of A.K.A. and Mark Eversley cooking in the kitchen. Like right. they're not using a microwave. You know what I mean? They're using a stove. And when you're cooking in the kitchen, it takes a little time, you know, to get it right. Got to put the right spices in. Got to put the right things in. So I'm just like I tell people, I just want you to trust the smells that's
1: coming out of that kitchen because it smells amazing. Well, what's a uh, what's a true chef going to do if he walks into your kitchen? The first thing he's going to do is take that microwave and throw it out the window. Yes. <laughs> Nothing instant. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you know. he's just like, you know, it, 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 it's just, this is, my God, are you using a microwave? No, 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 no. No true respected chef uses a microwave. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, I mean, let, let me ask you this question, Dave. I always... Mm-hmm. As good as Denver is, and as good as, I mean, right now, Jokic, the Joker's averaging a triple-double. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like they are truly a contender? Not just a contender in the West, but a contender.
0: No, not truly. They 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 feel like a a team that I would see in the Western Conference Finals, but
1: I would never pick them to win it. Correct.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then you have to ask yourself, as a Bulls fan, where do you want to be? Do you want to be the Lakers, or do you want to be the Nuggets? Hmm. You want to be the Lakers. Like, you want to win. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We have the guy now that helped put that Nuggets team together. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've talked to Arturus personally. I feel like he is smart enough to figure out, okay, now I had, I, now I need to take the nuggets and take the nuggets to the next step. Right. But with my new organization, the Bulls. Correct. What did I learn about what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How do I correct the mistakes I made? to then get this bulls organization, which has won six championships back to that level Mm -hmm. to where I can provide a presentation to Michael Reinsdorf and the Jerry Reinsdorf to where they'll buy in Mm
0: -hmm. at all
1: costs. Because that's the other thing. I mean, I know that the fans think that the Chicago bears and the, Blackhawks and the Bulls and the White Sox and the Cubs should want to win a championship at any cost, Mm -hmm. but that's not how it is. It's, this is still a business.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know? And I think sometimes that the the Bulls fans take those six championships for granted Mm -hmm. because you know, how many, you know, if you think about it, There's people that I've, that have lived a lifetime and they saw the Cubs win one championship in their, but in their eighties and nineties, right? Mm -hmm. So there's people that have had the joy of watching not only Michael Jordan, but the Bulls win six championships and have been a part of every single one of those championships. Mm. But that is still, that's, that's what you compare these teams to. Those organizations, that mindset, that mentality, that's where, you know, we need to get back to. Mm-hmm. But as you talked about, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, my wife's in the hospitality industry mm-hmm. and two or three times a month, she'll be like, uh, you know, I probably won't be hungry for dinner tonight. I'm like, why not? She's like, because we're doing tastings today. Hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, we're 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 tinkering with the menu. We're gonna change a few things. We're gonna introduce some new items to the menu. We're gonna do you're, you're never you never stand still. You're always trying to make improvements, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like you, you use the term a chef. You know, a chef sometimes will have all the ingredients in front of them. And now what do I normally make? that's had considerable success, but what can I do different now with the, with all these ingredients? Well, maybe I get rid of this one and add this one or get rid of this one and add this one. Mm-hmm. And as you talk about, that's what Billy's doing. I think it's a great analogy. Billy's doing our is doing, you know, and, and I think we're starting to see now some of these pieces don't necessarily fit together. So this is a bad, we need to take this particular ingredient out and maybe replace it with another ingredient. And you're like, Ooh, that tastes a lot better. Ooh, a or
0: paprika, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or is uh, Matt Peck likes to say, uh, Jardinere. More Jardinere. <laughs> it's not bad, Will. It's not terrible.
0: It's not terrible. <laughs> Man. And that was the other thing I wanted to say to you about AK is, and I know Bulls fans know this, but. Even in his first season with the Nuggets, they were bad, you know, like because he was figuring out what is good and what is not like. And the next season is when you kind of started seeing the growth and, you know, then they became the team that they are. And it's like the same model I'm seeing right now with the Bulls. Like he doesn't know what he has yet, but he was like, I didn't know why this team didn't make the playoffs or at least be involved because there's actually talent on this team. Let's figure out why. That's the case. I got the coach now that, you know, is the one I wanted, that I'm still amazed that way, how he did it. Like the second he became available, he was on the phone. He was in his car. He was down in front of his face saying, dude, let's let's build this together. Yeah, um, I
1: mean, like, to interrupt you, as you sure. heard Arturo's talk about, Bill, he was like, well, let me get some time. Uh, no, I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to be down there to talk to you now.
0: Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to
1: give you an opportunity to, you know, think it over.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're we not want in this that today position.
1: Yes. You know, that's – and that's the other thing is if, do Bulls fans want him to be impulsive or do they want him to be patient and and make educated choices?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, You know, you have to ask yourself that question because he – I mean, he could easily be impulsive and make all the fans happy mm-hmm. and make a bunch of moves, and then you watch a game and you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Like, well, this, is, didn't work. this is what the fans said. I put a survey out there and this is what I came <laughs> back with. You know, so it's. I, I listen, I've talked to him enough. I've talked to Eversley enough. Mm. I've taken the time to talk to those that I know within uh, the ranks, other general managers, assistant general managers, coaches. I have not talked to one individual that is that has said, wow, man, he pulled the wool over the Bulls' eyes. He tricked them. Mm-hmm. Everybody has said the same thing. Smart, intelligent, knows the, name, knows the game, mm-hmm. will do things the right way. The bull's got a good one.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the vibe I get, like just speaking to him and the straightforwardness and the fact he laid out the plan at the beginning of what he wanted to do. And he's literally just following it and going along, and there's nothing, no in between with that. Like, I operate better. I'm just speaking personally. I operate better with people like that who are tell me what it is, you know, yeah. just whether I like but, it or not.
1: But I have to. You got to be careful though, because even the greatest hitters in baseball didn't hit a thousand. Right. They still struck out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and what do you what's What's, what's the common theme amongst home run hitters? A lot of home runs, but a lot of strikeouts. So he's going to miss on some of his plays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? I mean, hey, Vegas wasn't built on winners, baby. You will. You will. He's going to make some mistakes, right? I mean, he is. I mean, that's what's going to happen. I don't think he's made one yet, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: But – You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, we should have kept Chris Dunn. I think that that was more of a situation where our tourists, and this is my opinion, and this is kind of comes off my experience of being traded to San Antonio. Mm -hmm. This now gives Chris Dunn an opportunity to grow. You know, because I think that, unfortunately, it wasn't, do I like the skill set that Chris Dunn brings? Do I like his tenacity on the defensive end? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not sure he was a piece that fit into this puzzle that they're trying to put together. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think this was more of a – not a talent decision, but more of a personal uh, decision on who Chris Dunn is, Chris Dunn the person, because I think this is one of those things that if you know Chris Dunn gets an opportunity – after after Arturis makes a decision to let Chris go, it's up to Chris and his agent to go to the right place so that he can then be successful and flourish. Hmm. That's not Arturis' responsibility. But I think kind of like I talked about, I went to San Antonio and learned a lot of things about myself personally. I think this is an opportunity for Chris now to grow as a player and a person. And I think that this was one of those moves that when our came in, he learned about Chris Dunn, the person and felt like it might be better off for him to move on. And instead of having the preconceived notions, like a lot of the fans have of him, hmm. you know, and I think when it's all said and done, you know, that may be one of those things he actually did Chris a favor. Yeah. I, agree. You know, I can't guarantee that, but it's just, that's kind of, that comes from my personal experience. That kind of what it, you know, what it looks like.
0: Hmm. Well, well i'm I am one of the few people that are you know still on uh Lowry Island um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been there for a while it's, it's start the weather's starting to look a little better um what have you seen uh from Lowry like what is your assessment are you seeing the growth and are you when you see it like do you think that this is the ceiling like where he is like this is the player he is or is there another level that you see that he he can go to
1: no no. I fully believe there's another level. There might be another couple levels, quite honestly. But what I haven't seen is the consistency. And from game to game. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, this year has been kind of uh, subdued because of, you know, dealing with the COVID issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But listen, we've, I think both of us have seen enough over the last three years to where we can make an assessment of this guy's got talent especially a guy this size and i'm and let me preface this by saying this i'm not saying he doesn't okay let me say that but i'm just what i don't know is does he truly love the game because there's plenty of guys that play in the nba that don't truly love the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: right but they're really they're damn good players yeah i promise you if the bulls decide to let lowry go there'll be plenty of teams that'll want to sign him correct right there's no it's not like the bulls are going to let him go and everybody's like oh no (laughs) not like he's going to disappear and not be in the league right he is very talented but one of the things that we don't know because of the inconsistencies and part of this is, be, is unfortunately because of some of the injuries and we're not so sure that Lowry or the organization has been forthright with the information, which can hamper this decision or this process of us trying to put all the pieces together and make what we consider to be um, a determination or an opinion. We just don't know, you know, if he truly loves the game, And when I say that to me, that means is he willing to make any and every sacrifice necessary to get to the next level? Or does he feel like he's good enough? Because good enough is going to be a nice career. It's going to make a lot of money. Right. But is he willing to make that sacrifice to get to the next level? Hmm. And there's a lot of different, it's not just a personal sacrifice. It's a professional sacrifice. But you also have to realize when you make that comment, you know, he has a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. Has he officially gotten married? Yeah, he's married. He's got another child on the way too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so he's got a wife. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff is part of the equation. You know, so it's not just is he willing to make that sacrifice. Is his wife willing to make that sacrifice.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Because...
1: For him to truly make that sacrifice in spending more hours in the gym away from his family, you know, maybe not going back to the native land in the off season, or maybe only going back for five to ten days instead of a month to two months, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Because one of the things that I still contest. And some people agree, some don't, that this Bulls team needs to spend more time together in the offseason, working out together, practicing together, playing five on five together, not developing friendships, but developing patterns, comfort, you know, and that just comes from being together and practicing together.
0: And I mean, I, I think a great example, not the, but a great example of what you're saying is what you saw Denzel Valentine do in overtime when he runs into Zach and kind of right. impedes his
1: progress of shooting at three. Yeah, because everybody's like, what, what the hell, what was he thinking? Because listen, we'll all sit here and say, you know, I think you'll agree with this. Denzel Valentine has has high basketball IQ. Yes. So how could he possibly make that mistake? That's just, that's uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, you can talk about his defense and all that other stuff. That's that, fine, that's a different discussion. But just from a basketball IQ standpoint, you would think that he knows he would in his sleep he knows to run to the court mm-hmm. and get ready. But for some reason, all of a sudden he's running on the right side of the court, and all of a sudden veers left right in the path of Zach. And then kind of knocks Zach off. And you're like, what, what just happened there? Miscommunication. What oh my god. Mm. But and I know a lot of people will refute this because they're like, well, other teams do A, B, C, and D. And I'm like, I I don't care about other teams. When I played on those teams in Chicago and I played on those teams in San Antonio, we spent, we were together in the off season. Yeah. Guys would disappear for a week here or a week there, but it was practicing together six days a week in the summer, like in San Antonio, because it was so hot. We would meet at the uh, football field at 6 a.m. 6 a.m., it was still dark out and run 100 yard sprints before. And even at 6 a.m., it's still like 88 degrees. But before it got up in the 90s and the hundreds, we'd run 100 yard sprints and 50 yard sprints. And there'd be eight, nine, 10 guys out there, you know, in July and August, making that sacrifice to come in and get the workout in. You know, yeah, like I said, you disappear for a week here and then go home and then come back later in the evening and get up shots and play two on two, three on three, four on four, five on five, you know, learning just little intricacies about each other. Cause that's the other thing, you know, that old school guys don't like is they just don't practice as much now during the season Mm -hmm. So you don't get those repetitions in, you know, you're like, Oh, we'll get plenty of reps in during the game. But then during the game, you just, as you talked about, you just see little mistakes that actually affect the outcome. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. mm-hmm that's so what that's what I'm
1: talking about you know it's it's tough for guys to do that and because it's just like Lowry's Lowry's a smart kid mm-hmm. he's not looking at Thad Young and being like hey that guy's gonna take my position right no he'll he'll take some of your minutes but he's not gonna take your position right you know, because it's how old is Lowry and how old is he? Yeah. Yeah, you know? Lowry
0: knows. Yeah, Lowry knows. I just so, want to see more. That's all. Go ahead, please. Right.
1: So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, and that's one of the things that, that Billy has to do a good job of. Billy's got to dissect Lowry, dissect Lowry to, you know, what buttons can I push to get him to that point that he wants to make that ultimate sacrifice? Mm-hmm that he will do anything and everything to get to the next level. And that's where coaching comes in. But, you know, cause a lot of people are like, well, every player should have that inner drive. They just don't, they just don't fact, you know, because it's just, I, I still contend right now that the only thing to me that separates Michael and LeBron is not accomplishments. It's not championships. Now that separates them, yes. Six to four, correct? Yes. That that's still that's that's a difference. But I'm talking about the player is the drive. I mean, LeBron's got incredible drive.
0: Yeah, for real.
1: But Michael has the ultimate drive. It is. <laughs> I don't I don't question whether Michael. I mean, I, I, listen, I use this analogy, and I know it's a little harsh, but Michael – if a scientist came to Michael and said, if you take that bus and you run your mother over, that will guarantee that you'll win a championship. He'd grab the bus driver, throw him out, <laughs> jump behind the wheel, drive over his mother – with the bus but then also put it in reverse and drive over and again back over just to guarantee that it works <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> dude
0: that is that is psychotic and and it's it dude i've always said michael basketball saved michael jordan cuz i always thought if he wasn't playing basketball he might be a serial killer <laughs> cuz
1: you're exactly right he might be in jail somewhere
0: yeah yeah because that's an insane amount of drive. And the fact that there's truth in what you're saying just lets you know that there's that was, that's but an that insane was his, amount that of drive. That was his
1: out, outlet to get rid of that anger, that yeah. that drive. Yeah. You know, because what I tell people, if you really want to understand who Michael is, go back and listen to his Hall of Fame speech.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's not being a jerk. I know it comes across poorly. Mm-hmm. He's actually thanking people for doubting him. It's, 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 I mean, he is being very thankful, but that's Mm. his way of doing it. He's just different, yeah, you know. And that's everybody's like, God, what a jerk! I mean, I even said in uh, you know, the last dance, he was pretty, he was, he was an asshole, yeah, but. Once I learned how to play with the asshole and once I learned what his what he was trying to accomplish, yeah. to me, he was no longer an asshole. He was just a, the ultimate teammate.
0: Mm. Do you think it's anybody on this team, I'm not saying with the drive of Michael Jordan, but, or LeBron, just but just has that drive that you look at and you're like, that player right there really wants to be great. But let's
1: also not just... Michael and LeBron, but here's let me give you a couple different sure. guys in that group. Sure. Obviously, MJ, LeBron, Kobe. Yes. I know people are going to kind of raise an eyebrow when I say this, but Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> people don't understand how hard that dude worked.
0: Yes, it worked and super I, hard.
1: I saw firsthand how hard and the time commitment that this dude made. To get better in the league, because he could have easily just said, "You know what? Not for me," and gone back to Europe and played.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, we can keep adding names to this list. But to answer your question specifically, the only thing I can, the only way I can answer this is to say, "I don't know." To be determined. Mm-hmm. And and that says a lot. <laughs> like really. Well, and then part of the reason why I say that is because I don't know what happens with these guys behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I knew Kobe personally because uh, we had the same agent, mm-hmm. so I got to know him and what his commitment, what level was, and the amount of time he put into the game of basketball. I know Michael firsthand because you know I played with him. Um, I learned about Dirk because I he allowed me to spend some time with him and kind of tag along um, with him when they were in the finals against Miami, I just, I saw how hard he worked then. And they, Mm -hmm. you know, he had his own coach and he would fly his coach back and forth, you know, to help if anything ever went wrong, just to kind of help him out. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what I don't know about these guys. And because I don't know what happens behind the scenes. I don't know what happens behind closed doors Um. Because what needs to really, for some of these guys, it's not about skill set, Dave. It's about, are they truly investing the time in the film room? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with, are they investing the time in the film room with the right person? Meaning, are they, are they watching the film, but yet breaking it down with an individual that will actually make them better? Or are they just watching film to watch film? Because the question is, are they watching film to watch themselves? Or are they actually watching film of other players that they want to be like and breaking down that film? And then watching film, like you can watch, like literally, I could go and watch last night's game 10 times and watch 10 different things on one player. Mm -hmm. And are these guys investing that time in order to do that? Because it's not strictly just about how good are you, your skill set. It's about up here as well. Right. Not just basketball IQ, but your knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. And your ability is – and you even heard LeBron talk about this. I think he, LeBron said it was like his third year when the game started to slow down to where he could start to almost like, you know, uh, a chess player. You kind of see the pieces moving without anybody's hand on them about LeBron talked about how he could start to see how before it even happened about how, if he passed here, what would happen? If he passed there, what would happen, how it would react, how it would change the defense. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's what I talk about, about, you know, and that right there, that aspect can take a good player to great Mm -hmm. LeBron's great. Yes. Even without that aspect, LeBron would be great, but would he be in the same category as Kobe and Michael Probably not, but Mm. LeBron, he's great because he invests that time. We know that, Yeah, you know, that's, that's what I don't know about this group. They uh, quite honestly, they may do that. I don't know that yet, Mm. but what I haven't seen, and this is where Billy comes in. What I haven't seen is that growth from somebody that is doing that
0: Mm.
1: yet. Now, there were a lot of factors, unfortunately, for these guys that could be investing that time. But because of some of the roadblocks they came across, they weren't allowed to they weren't allowed to take that knowledge and grow with it. Mm-hmm. Now, Billy's here. Ask me that question at the end of the season. And I'll probably be able to give you I hope to be able to give you a different answer.
0: Yeah, I'm going to hold you to that. Will. will right. <laughs> do that, man. Will, man. I I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, It's really a dream come true for me, honestly. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being here. Uh, Like I said earlier, you can check Will out on pre and post on NBC Sports Chicago. And Will, your uh, Twitter
1: page? Will Mm -hmm. underscore Purdue 32. Mm -hmm. And I will make this statement. I do not pay for bots. You know, and listen, I'll be honest. I'm very transparent. I remember... One year when I was a couple of years ago, and I was with NBC Sports Chicago, I walked in to Kevin Cross's office and he had everybody's name on the board and how many followers they had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, why is that important? It just in our business, it is. Mm-hmm. So I remember talking, uh, you know, Megan and I were married at the time and I talked to her about it. I said, hey, I got to get up. I'm a little concerned, you know, I'm online, I'm on Twitter because I need to be. And I also found out that Twitter is very educational. I learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. Off Twitter articles the whole thing mm-hmm. but it's also very aggravating but I'm like they're actually checking to see how many Twitter followers I have I don't really have a lot I'm mm-hmm. not out there you know hey follow me <laughs> I said how do I do said, well you can actually go out and buy followers and I was like why would you do that because then when somebody looks at your thing they're like holy shit that person's got 50,000 followers yeah yeah she goes but let me show you something and she gets on you know, again, being in the hospitality industry, you know, social media is very important. Mm-hmm. She got on and she started showing me stuff. And she's like, listen, this guy right here, she goes, give me somebody's name. And I threw out a name and she looks it up and she goes, this person right here, she goes, I can't prove it, but I can almost guarantee you that this person has gone out and bought followers mm-hmm. because you got to look at, go back. And she said, it takes some work, but she showed me how to go back and look about, you know, tweets, retweets, does that person that followed them tweet? that's probably a bot, that's blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, this is big business. Mm -hmm. It is. So I just want to know, I want people to know that, you know, I'm not out there buying bots. I'm not out there trying to convince people to follow me. It's all organic. If you want to follow me, that's great. Mm -hmm. I would appreciate it. But uh, I try to be, I don't tweet a lot, but when I do, I try, sometimes it's funny. But I try to be educational and I try to be opinionated. It is my opinion. Sometimes it may be my wife's opinion, but it's something that I agree with. Yes. <laughs>
0: he's a smart man. Yes.
1: Um, there, are, there are, you know, I just like during the uh, game last night, I kept, uh, as you probably know, Matt Peck kept popping up on my Twitter because, <laughs> you know, he's, he's almost like doing play-by-play via Twitter during games. It's impressive. I was like – but here's the other thing I've realized for me, I've missed half the game. That's distracting. I can't do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, Is like Matt is, is Matt doing like the notebook Twitter? <laughs> I mean you know like you, just tweeting without even looking at the screen, just totally watching the game or listen once you reach I'm a certain like, level
0: I, of greatness will he's reached a certain <laughs> level of greatness to where he can do both because I, I don't do it every game. I can do it some games. And then the other guy, I'm, I'm just really watching the game, you know. And I'm yeah, but I'm just games. watching
1: the game. And I'm like, I, for me to tweet, I got to look down. And I'm like, shit, I missed yeah. the word. <laughs> yeah. I got to yeah. backspace. It's no. just, and I'm like, what did I just miss? Now I got all of a sudden, a two-hour game takes me four hours to watch. And then I got to put on my Twitter. Yeah, I know this is about 45 minutes late. But Dude. So I just have a tendency to watch games. I'll tweet out later or do mm-hmm. something like that. So,
0: Oh, I you pre- know. I, I do want to say this real quick about, about your wife, because I don't think I've told you this story, and just how, how awesome she is. But I went to one of her restaurants, and I took a friend, I, you know, I had a friend of mine with me, and I get there first, and, you know, I'm greeted and everything, and I'm telling her, you know, who I am, and my name should be on the list. She's like, your name's not on the list. And I'm like, no, 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 I talked I talk to uh, Megan yesterday, I told her I'd be here today, she told me, you know, everything would be taken care of. She was like, no, I don't, I don't see you here, I don't see you. Um, so can you go, you know, sit over here? And what I call, you know, the the uh, little people section. You <laughs> send me to this section over here, small chair, tear, small chairs, you know, just uh, the runoff section or something. So I'm sitting there and I texted, you know, I'm texting Megan, I'm like, hey, uh, did you forget I got said I was coming to your uh, restaurant today? She was like, oh man, you know, I completely forgot. I'm so sorry. Um, and I mean, I would say five minutes, maybe less, some dude just came running out the back. <laughs> Some guy came running out the back was like, dude, are, are, you, are, you, are you David? Are you da- yeah. Dude, I'm so sorry. Oh man, dude, right this way. Like, no, 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 right this way. We're going to take care of you, man. Like, I mean, they took care of me in such an awesome way. I had one of the best meals at the best times ever. And it just said a lot about her, honestly, for me. It just said a lot about her and being, you know, just of her word, you know, like that. Because I wasn't even expecting all that. I was just like, I'm gonna go, you know, just get a meal and, you know, hang out. But I mean, they came flying out of that back, man. They treat and they just gave me great places to sit and, you know, took care of us, man. And it was just
1: an well, awesome pre- time, man. That's just where, like, you know, well, wow I feel fortunate to be married to her because she considered my friends to be her friends and she mm-hmm. wants to take care of people. Yeah. And uh, she understands the importance of those relationships as well. Yeah. But uh, mentioning that, I'll, I'll give the shameless plug that – so my wife works for the Home, uh Hospitality Group, mm-hmm. and their restaurants are uh, Beatnik on the River, which is over off of uh, Wacker and Lake. So that's in the loop. Then there's uh, Beatnik OG, which is uh, kind of in sort of in Bucktown. Uh, that's – I think this is right. It's, I mean, I know the address. It's on the corner of Chicago and Ashland.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Porto is also right next door to it, Chicago and Ashland. Then Mamadelia, which used to be Black Bull, is on Division uh, just a little bit uh, west of uh, Ashland. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's also, everybody knows about uh, Disco and Celeste, which is down off of Hubbard. Those are all bond home properties mm-hmm. at the moment. So They've actually, and I'll mention this, they've done a nice job um, during the initial stages of the pandemic when um, they had to close like every other restaurant. What they did do was is uh, they made family meals twice a week for all the employees. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what the, like Cisco and a lot of the food companies were made, uh, made agreements with a lot of uh, restaurants. If you'll cook the food and give it to your employees, we won't charge you for it. Okay. they were... They were taking the time to take the deliveries and then cooking the food. And then my wife would go in twice a week with the head chef and two or three, the owner, Danny, and then two or other three people. And they would package all the meals, put them together. All you had to do was email and say, Hey, I want to pick up a family meal. Mm -hmm. And those family meals would last two or three days. And they were literally every Tuesday and Friday. And now they're back open and they're just, they're trying to do the best they can to at least stay open to keep people employed and you know they're not looking to necessarily make a profit, just keep people employed and keep their head above water, so that when we get on the other end, eventually, you know they can hit hit the road hit the road running. But also, what they did during the, the pandemic is during the, the family meals, they also allowed those people that were on that had benefits, meaning insurance, they allowed them to keep those benefits as well, so that they were still covered in case anything happened. So there's a really they're a really good group. It's a cutthroat business. But uh, I would appreciate, uh, you know, I would also score major points with my wife, you know, if people just showed up and, and went and visited those places. And then also while you're there, just say, hey, I'm a good friend of uh, Will Purdue's and Big Dave's because that always gets back to my wife that, uh, you know, people come in and say my name or something or just, you know, she said, hey, you, you keep pressing the business because I actually hand out more business cards than she does of hers. You do. <laughs> I always I always yeah. have them in my pocket, baby.
0: Yeah, you do. You be on it, Will. You're always on it. Um, yeah. And please, definitely go check out those restaurants because I went to the Beatnik Kitchen, man, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. It really was. And one was of the things
1: we've, we we I, I promise I'm going to hold you guys to this because unfortunately mm-hmm. we don't work together anymore, but I do consider us friends. But yes, sir. You know, we're all going to get together and break bread once we have the ability to get back out and everybody feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um. The only thing is we just got to see if uh, John can get a note from his wife to make sure he's able to go. <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. I know. I think, we, I think what? We got to pr- at least plan it six weeks out so we can get it on the calendar. <laughs> see, this is spoken by married man. You know how this goes. You, you understand <laughs> how this works. You get it.
0: All right. Well, I got one more thing to ask you, and it's actually a favor. And, yeah. and I'm going to ask you this. So the name of this podcast is called Bow. That's Neymar. Bow on bulls. That's that's B A W L, right. and you the way you have to say it is you have to say it like Avery Johnson is saying it, because the whole way we do it is a tribute to Avery Johnson because we always had a deep love for Avery Johnson and just how he speaks and just him as a person in general. But that's how we would talk about Avery Johnson when we would say, we'd say you know, get the bow, Darren Williams, give him the bow. So. We want, I would like you to, if you know Avery, just contact Avery and let him know. I would love for him to come on this show so we can shower him with all the love and thanks and praise for being the inspiration behind the name of this show because we
1: love Avery Johnson. So you'd like to get him on the show? Yes, I would love to get okay. Avery
0: Johnson on the show.
1: Absolutely. All right, so I will I will forward the text. I think he's actually doing a college game today on... Uh... CBS Sports HQ, maybe, mm-hmm. if I saw that correctly, because I follow that Twitter, uh, one of the Twitter handles, announcer schedules. He's doing a college game somewhere today, but I will send out a text. So the official name is called. Say it again. Bow. <laughs> but it's just the 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 bow podcast. Yes. Yeah, the
0: bow. It's called Bow on Bulls because we have two of them. There's right. Bow, and then there's Bow on Bulls. So this is bow on bulls. This is what this is.
1: Yes, and we would love to have him on that one for sure. So, Big Dave, I will give AJ a call and see if I can get him to come on the Bow on Bulls podcast. (laughs) Uh, yes, 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 yes. Will, yes. Oh my god! (laughs) I'll give you. we'll, We'll finish on this, Big Dave. We talk about, okay. Right. Yes, sir. Some of the best leadership was by Avery Johnson. Mm. When he would go at five David Robinson, he would refer to him as five Oh, like we're playing a game and Dave's probably uh, you know, end of the third quarter or something's going on. And Dave's already had a pretty good game. He's probably already got like 25 and 12, three blocks. Five Oh, I need more from you. Five Oh, I need more from you. <laughs> and did, and Avery was uh, pretty emphatic about things he just wouldn't stand there with his arms crossed or his hands he'd be his one hand would be 50 <laughs> i need more from you 50 mm. mm. so we used to always like that was one of those things during a timeout when he would do that we understood the message behind the message Yeah, But because of how Avery is and how emphatic he would be when he would say it, that would be one of those things where you'd have to grab a towel and put it over your face because you didn't want David to see you laughing. (laughs) Just because of how he's saying it, yeah, man. But because he's so emphatic, I mean, his whole
0: body's into it, you know? And it's just this this smaller guard just yelling at this big seven-foot-tall dude snapping on. yeah. Okay, I get it, Will. I get it, (laughs) I get it, man. Dude, yes, okay, well... Dreams have come true for me today. Uh, I appreciate you, Will, man. Thank you for being on here. Uh, I'm just, I'm honored to know you. Thank you for being on here. It's been
1: nice. We've had a, 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 it's been nice to develop that friendship. I appreciate you having me on. Mm -hmm. And I will send out that text to Avery Johnson here soon and I'll let you know what kind of response I get back. All right. Appreciate you, Will. But hey, do me a favor. Yes, sir. Send me a text with maybe like a little introduction mm-hmm. like what like if if you were to meet Avery for like 30 seconds
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you had a little introduction because what I'll do is I'll text Avery and be like hey man uh, I got a good friend of mine that I work with that would love to have you on his podcast to talk basketball
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then when Avery says okay yeah 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 or whatever he says then I can just hit copy and paste and forward that to him and then he'll know who you are
0: Okay, I mean, I can send you because I do a whole intro for the for the show. There's a whole thing I do. I just didn't do it because Chris isn't. Uh, here oh, that's with all right. Me. Yeah, but there's a whole intro I do uh, that you'll hear. You know, when, when this podcast comes out, because I'm gonna add it later. And um, yeah, when I do that, yeah, you you can send that to him, and yeah, he can hear okay. the the just respect that
1: we have for
0: him and Avery Johnson. So yeah.
1: All right. Sounds good, brother. All right, Will. Thanks for coming all on. Right, man. All right, Big day. Talk now. to you thank you so much thank you see you boss